Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere, and the founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on SayItForward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. Today, we're grateful to have Blessing Timothy Dia join us again from her home in Canada. She was one of our very first guests when we started this podcast journey. Blessing is a Black woman who identifies as a feminist and is also an advocate, storyteller, and community-based researcher who brings all her intersections and ideologies to the work that she does on gender-based violence and sexual reproductive health and rights. Blessing, thank you for joining us again. Uh, Welcome. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be on the podcast. It's always home. This is always home to me. Thank you. Thanks again for being here. Yodit and I are so excited to talk with you today. I have heard you say that you like to initiate what you call uncomfortable conversations around the issues that affect and impact women and girls. What are some of those uncomfortable conversations and where do you initiate them? I will give some a very short context. I'd say that um, I grew up in church. My father has been a pastor for 30 plus years. And so there's a whole lot that people expect me not to talk about. But I talk about them anyway. And um, some of these conversations include sex. I talk about sex a lot. I always remind people, especially men, that the fact that I'm talking about sex does not mean that I want to get propositioned. And a lot of women, especially, reach out to me, ask me questions around sex. You know, the fact that people know that I work on sexual reproductive health and rights, they are more comfortable to ask me sex-related questions. So I talk about sex everywhere, in church, meetings, even, you know, meetings that have nothing to do with sex. (laughs) Somehow, sex just finds its way in there. Someone is going to ask me a question, and then we have that conversation. I also talk about money. So when I first moved to Canada, I took a certification program on immigrant women. And that program is for women, actually, who want to get into the community service sector. My research topic with my partner was on financial abuse among immigrant women. And so from there, I talk a lot about money. From doing a whole lot of research, I've also had to change my own personal mindset around money. I've had to become more forthcoming around, you know, money, trying to make money, you know, seeking help around money and also talking to other women, you know, about money. And for many black and brown women, money is not something that is discussed at home. Mm. Yes, we see our parents pay bills. 
We see them do groceries, but we're not necessarily involved, you know, in the money making process or the money expenditure process. We just see that the home is running and statistics show that black and brown women are more likely to face financial abuse. And that's because of a whole lot of culture, you know, religion, social conditioning around money. I've also learned to give gratitude to money because most times we we see money as a means. It comes and it goes. But many times we don't even stop to think about what money is helping us achieve. So when I pay my rent, I give gratitude, you know, to money. And I realized that ever since I started doing that, there's been a shift. So even when I do not have I'm not operating from a scarcity mindset. I'm not afraid of money. Another uncomfortable conversation that a lot of people know me, you know, to start is abuse, especially the intersections of abuse. So I always say that no form of abuse stands in vacuum. When women and girls and gender diverse people go through abuse, it's never one form of abuse there's always an overlap. So for example, financial abuse doesn't just happen in a vacuum. Sometimes it starts from verbal, it starts from emotional, it starts from physical before it gets to you know, financial. Sometimes we see it start from financial and become physical. They're very uncomfortable conversations because actually when you talk about abuse, someone might think they're just going through emotional abuse. And then when you speak with them or when they read my tweets or they hear me speak on platforms, they realize, oh my God, I'm actually going through financial abuse also. I'm actually going through this, you know, and women now realize that it's not just one form usually overlaps. And so it's usually uncomfortable, especially for the listener. Sometimes it gets uncomfortable also for me Because having these conversations can be traumatizing. And then when I see my audience get traumatized as a result of a light bulb moment, it affects me. But there are conversations that we need to have. The forms of abuse that many people are most aware of are physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. Would you describe for our listeners what financial abuse can be and what it can look like? Financial abuse is when one partner, mostly the men, make all the decisions on finances to control the other partner, which is mostly the women. It happens in same-sex relationships also, but the statistics show that financial abuse is higher in heterosexual relationships. And it can look like obtaining credit in your name, using your your credit card to pay for things. It can look like making decisions on your own money. So when the woman is earning money, she cannot um, make decisions on her own money. It can look like having a joint account, but only the man has access. Only the man makes decisions on the money in the joint account. It can also look like the man collecting your paycheck. This particular example is 
the point where a lot of women, it clicks for a lot of women when I mention it. And for this, many times partners make it seem like, oh yes, I'm better at handling money. But you realize that you're not even carried along. So a lot of women experience their paychecks being paid to their partners, or even when it's paid to them directly, they transfer it to their partners and their partners make all the decisions on the money. It can also look like your partner sabotaging your efforts to gain employment. So maybe coming to harass you at your workplace, telling you to take job opportunities that are lesser, with lesser pay, especially if that job opportunity offers something that is more than what he is earning. They want to keep you under them so that they have an upper hand financially. It can also look like your partner coming to embarrass you at your workplace or deleting information concerning work. So seen a lot of women that have applied to schools, to jobs, and maybe their partners have access to their emails you know, they see the feedback, they delete it. And, you know, women keep thinking, they did not get back to me. But, you know, those companies have gotten back to them and their partners sabotaged their opportunities to make something better out of themselves. It can look like controlling your day-to-day movement, especially when they suspect that you're going to look for a job, you're going to meet up with people who are going to advise you better or even your daily expenditure. So your partner draws up a list, gives you money, and then you have to account for, you know, every dime you have to bring back the change. These are uncomfortable topics, especially within cultures. You know, I'm thinking about my own culture. These are certainly taboo things that you just don't talk about. What sparked that courage in you to talk about? Did you see that there was a lack, which I'm sure, or was there someone doing it that you said, I need to make sure that I'm following in this, in this footstep? Along the line, I would read more about it. I will speak more about it and getting to having to do that certification program. We had to carry out research And we just wanted to streamline it to financial abuse. Because many times when financial abuse is talked about, it's not talked about as a standalone. It's mostly under physical abuse, you know. It's But it's a topic that is important enough as a standalone. And so Mm -hmm. we wanted to talk about it, especially among immigrant women. And it was eye-opening. We met women who have been in Canada for years and um, didn't have a phone because their partners didn't want them to have phones. So whenever my partner and I run focus group discussions with women, we ask them a very simple question. What would you do for yourself if you had your own money? And many times you'd expect to hear build a house or something. But you'd be shocked to hear women say, I'd like to buy the type of coffee that I want. Mm. I'd like to buy jewelry that I want. I'd like to buy clothes in color that I want, you know? And it's just 
sometimes it's the very simple things that women get deprived of when someone else is making all the decisions. We know that all of these forms of abuse are universal. I want to mention that because I think that certainly with abuse, people often prefer to think that it is happening, you know, somewhere else. And often they are personally experiencing some form of abuse, or they certainly know other women in their family, in their neighborhoods, in their community who are. The reason why sometimes we just narrow it down to black and brown women is because they're more at risk of experiencing abuse and they hardly ever admit that they're experiencing abuse. Mm. Even when they admit it, it stops at admission. They would hardly ever seek help. White women are more likely to seek support. They're more likely to open up to someone about what they are feeling even when they are not sure it's abuse. I used to volunteer in a shelter system here. And a lot of times you can see the disparity. When a Black woman calls, sometimes you can hear the partner threaten her in the background to beat her, to kill her. And you're trying to get her out of that place. She'll tell you, oh no, I just wanted you to know that he's threatening me. And I can literally hear him. Many times when a white woman calls, the first thing she says is, get me out of this place. I need to leave this place. You know, there's always that disparity. And then the disparity in upbringing. So for more black and brown women, there's the cultural aspect where women are conditioned not to talk back you know, to men, there's that conditioning where women are the neck, men are the head, and all that submission, you know, mindset. And so the experiences are usually very different. But yes, abuse is very universal, and irrespective of ethnic group, irrespective of um, color, irrespective of, you know, where you live, is something that we all need to be conversant about. What advice do you have? And I'm sure you have lots of advice, but a couple of suggestions that you would that you have for someone who is experiencing financial abuse. The first thing I would say is document. And documentation works not just for financial abuse. Any form of abuse that you are going through, please document. Document withdrawals, if you're operating a joint account that you don't have access to or a say in, document, document your input, and then document the output that is coming out of it. Document a lot. Documentation goes a very long way because you never know what is going to happen. Mm. I've met women who had credit cards, you know, taken in their names who had loans taken in their names that they did not know of. And it was documentation that helped them get out of it. Be very careful. Safety is important. 
because we know that um, statistics also show us that the most dangerous time for women is when they're trying to leave their abuser. Let's say you know that your house is not safe, your phone is not safe, and you have to document to someone else, consider that person's safety. Because many times abusers will not go after the main victim. They would go after the support system. So consider the safety of the person who is supporting you. And considering their safety might just be keeping your mouth shut. Nobody needs to know that you're documenting that abuse. Open up to someone. My people have a saying that no matter how bad a person is, there is always at least one person that will stand by them. Men can be the worst perpetrators of abuse and there will always be someone trying to justify what they're doing. So please seek support, confide in someone, preferably a woman. There are a lot of free resources out there, organizations that will support you, that will also help documentation. A lot of people tend to look down on free resources, but the fact that it's free does not mean that it doesn't have value. Ask questions. The way it comes to you, ask it. One key aspect that we ignore is the support system. So be careful of who that support system is. So if your support system is going to confide in your partner about what you said or what you're doing, that's not the support system. You need to be confiding those steps in. Please have your own money, have your own account. Different cultures have different names for it, but my people call it VEX money. Vex, V-E-X, Vex money. And sometimes it's not so much money. It's just having money that if shit hits the fan, you have something you can quickly rely on. What else would you add to ways in which we can encourage women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power? Always look out for the next woman, when you hold another woman's hand through difficulty, you're using your voice. When you share knowledge that you know on different platforms, be it online or offline, you're using your voice. When you protect another woman, you're using your voice. Where I used to live before, a neighbor called the police on behalf of her neighbor. The neighbor had never told her anything, but this neighbor, she observed a lot. She always heard yelling in the house. She always heard, you know, plates being broken. She called the police and the man was with a knife. Whether he was going to use it or not, we don't know. And it took one woman looking out for another woman to stop that. Mm. So look out for the woman next mm. to you. Mm. We're, we're really called to look out for one another. And that is a, one of the strongest ways of being able to use our voice. Thank yeah. you for just what you've shared with us today. Just very 
very serious and very important things that I think will really encourage our listeners and even allow them to just have a moment to just think about, okay, why do I feel uncomfortable talking about these things? Do I resonate with anything that you that you've said? And and how can I maybe get the help that I need? So thank you so much for for making the time to be with us today. And thank you for being an initiator of uncomfortable conversations. Thank you. And as always, to our listeners, we thank you for making the time to listen to this episode of the Power of Stories podcast. Thank you so very much, Blessing. And as Yodit said, we're grateful to you for being willing to initiate uncomfortable conversations and record uncomfortable conversations <laughs> Thank you. to increase uh, women's awareness. And I love what you said about the many ways we can look out for each other by using our voice. So thank you, Blessing. Yodit, thank you for looking out for me and with me for other women. And we'll also send thanks out to Lisa DeJavine, who is the co-producer and editor of the Power of Stories podcast. Blessing, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, we invite you to visit sayitforward.org a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment. Or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino and Yodit Kifle-Smith signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, We want to remind you of the power of your story.